I'm able to point out measures that can actually enhance like their current on the table settlements to where I've changed the value just from being involved in a conversation. Even successful firms can use an extra set of eyes to increase profitability and build a stronger practice. My goal is never to go into a firm and completely overhaul what they're doing because I don't want to shake the ship too much. However, if I can see within their process that it works, but they tweak a few things, they can really maximize their profits. In 2021, women made up over half of all summer associates for the fourth year in a row. Yet equity partners and multi-tier law firms continue to be disproportionately white men. Only 22% of equity partners are women. We would like to see that change. Hello, and welcome to Law Her, the show where we celebrate the trailblazing attorneys and entrepreneurs who are changing the game for women in the legal fields. Be inspired by their stories, learn from their mistakes, build community, and look forward to the future they're helping build for the next generation of women in law. I am Sonia Palmer, your host and VP of Operations at Rankings, the SEO agency of choice for personal injury lawyers. This is Law Her. Stephanie Forbes has seen the inner workings of some of the largest and most successful firms in America. And she's on a mission to help others replicate their success. Forbes Consult helps personal injury law firms capitalize on maximum results by teaching swift quality case management and elite customer service. And she gets results for her clients time and time again. Today, we discuss the systems that can make firms of any size run more efficiently with larger margins. And we cover when to train new hires. And she shares the overlooked areas when it comes to getting the maximum recovery. A fierce determination to be the best at her profession motivated Stephanie to work her hardest. Before she opened her business, she started as a paralegal. She shares the events that inspired her career path. Let's dive in. I was 18 years old and a friend of mine had sold me a car. And when he sold me the car... He's like, oh, just make my monthly payments. I only have like 10 more payments and I will just write off the car to you. And I gave him all the payments. And when it was time to write off the car, I found out that he basically had not made any payments. The companies were out to get him, you know, to repo his car. Long story short, my car was taken away from me. And when it was taken away, I felt so helpless because I didn't know the laws. I was so young. And at that moment, I would say it birthed me wanting to make sure that no one else would ever be taken like that ever again. It lit a passion in me to no matter what I did, I just didn't want whoever my client or customer or consumer was to be taken advantage of. So it became it became me just making sure that I was like the person in between, <laughs> you know, the company and the client, yes. making sure that everybody yeah, got what they deserved. I think it says so much about a person. And we hear this often where people needed someone, you know, and in that moment, they couldn't find that. So then they go to try and fill that void, you know, to make sure that nobody ever kind of feels the way that they did or were in that position. At the time, I was in a homeless shelter, too. You know, I was young and my mother had threw me out. I had nowhere to go. I remember I was working at like AAA and I was in front of this shelter 
and this woman was with her her uh, baby daddy. And when she was with him and they were talking, he's like, so what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just in college right now. He's like, what do you like to do? And I'm like, I love to research. I love this. And I love this. I love helping people. And then he's like, I think you might want to look into being a lawyer. And then before I did that, I I decided to walk by a law firm and the lawyer there told me, hey, why don't you go take some paralegal courses, see if you like it, see if this is something you want to do. And if you do like it, then your first internship after after you graduate will be with me. So two years later, I'd knock on his door and I get a job with him. And um, soon thereafter, I end up working at the largest law firm in America. Wow. I want to back up a little bit. I'd read that you had a challenging youth. Would you mind sharing your story with us? When I was younger, my mother, you know, she, all she knew growing up was just throwing people out of the house. I mean, (laughs) my siblings left for, you know, certain reasons, you know, at 16, 17, you know, she sent them on their way, whether they went to relatives or whichever. I didn't have anyone to go to. So when I was young, my mom had basically told me to, to leave the house. I was like 16. That particular time, it was just, we were arguing and I thought, oh, maybe if I show her some remorse, she would basically, you know, let me stay. She didn't. She had no remorse. I ended up leaving and staying with someone who ended up being like just a not good person. He gave me a two-day notice to leave his place because he said his son was moving with him and he, he and his wife weren't able to had me living there anymore. So then I had to go to a homeless shelter. So, you know, that brought me into the whole legal realm because during the time when I was in homeless shelter, I had to trust people. I had to, you know, do certain things uh, to help myself move forward. And I was taken advantage of over and over again. And I had to realize, okay, in this world, I'm on my own. I have to figure out like what laws, what things are going to protect me so that I could never be um, you know, in this vulnerable space ever again. And so I think that for me getting involved in the law and knowing as much as I know within my field, it was for like self-preservation. I, I, I came to work at 4 a.m. I left work at midnight. I wanted to absorb and know what I needed to know to be the best in the business. Then what was your college experience like? I went to Valencia, did a, a two-year track of paralegal studies um, it was the first ABA approved school back in 2005. <laughs> um, then I went on to UCF, did pre-law, which was political science. So I got into law, the politics, understood that. And then I really started working at one of the, the number one law firm in America, uh, Morgan & Morgan. And I met a lot of really talented attorneys there. I mean, I would pick the brains of the best. And I would say that firm alone shaped me. That firm, amongst other firms, because I I was a CEO of another law firm, but these firms have all shaped me to be really who I am today. And there's a reason why Morgan & Morgan is number one. I mean, they do things a certain way. And if other law firms could take the guidance of, you know, some of these bigger firms where I've seen all the guts of because I've either worked with them or worked in them at some point in my career, they would learn more efficient processes that could help them, you know, prosper and scale their firm. So did you have any mentors, anyone you could turn to? Yes, actually. Um, so one of one main mentor that I've had in life is an attorney by the name of Joe Potlich. He worked for uh, Troutman. He used to be the pre- uh, president of the Florida Bar Association. He has been doing this since he was 25. He's never, he's been practicing over 30, 
two years and the wealth of knowledge. I mean, he taught me theories that the average person would know, like economic losses and personal injury, just certain nuances that you could do to get, you know, certain settlements um, rendered. I mean, he just had an old school way of doing things that is, is currently lost, I would say. And some of the things that he's shown me, even I was able to show some of the, like, you know, I was able to show like Morgan & Morgan, Dan Newland's a really great law firm. A lot of these big law firms, you know, they may have been missing little little tidbits of information, but they had up the bulk of it because even with Morgan, they, I mean, there's so many heavy hitters. There's Keith Minnick, there was Scott Bates, there's um, Nick Paniakis. There's so many attorneys there, Sean Shaughnessy, that are just brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, and and they just sit and, they, and they'll stay at this firm and they'll be loyal and the things that they have t- tried and have tested and have won to listen to them, to hear them, to work with them and pick their brains. I mean, it's a, it's an art. It, it's an art. It's so beautiful. And you were thrown into the fire pretty quickly. I read that you ran a PI firm for three years, utterly absent from an attorney on site <laughs> as they were within a different city. <laughs> and then just one legal assistant and over 390 cases. <laughs> yes. So that I can't even name that firm because I think that it, that it would be incriminating to do so. But um, yeah, it was, it was 390 cases. I was thrown into the fire. I mean, right out of school. And, you know, at that time, I recall not even really knowing how to write a demand letter at that stage. And I on my first two days, I, I wrote nine demand letters, got those out started settling cases in Florida where the policy limits are, are, are a little bit less. I would settle about 40, you know, grand in fees a month and ran that office with a legal assistant. She was basically, she would do our intake. She would go in person to get intakes, bring them back in. I would process the claim. The attorneys were in a completely different city. And I did that straight for about two and a half years. And finally they decided to hire a, an attorney for that office because they're like, oh, man, you brought us to speed to the point where we made enough money that we can hire an attorney, you know, to be a managing partner of this office. Yeah. A little bit thereafter, my dad died. It's very, uh, uh, you know, just a hard time for me. And, you know, Morgan & Morgan, actually, I reached out to their firm and I, and I talked to one of the Morgans and I said, you know, I really would like to come back. My dad's passed. I kind of don't feel like, you know, I can, I don't feel safe at any of the law firm right now. I just need to get my head together and stuff. They welcomed me back with open arms. I say that the reason, one of the reasons why that firm is just so prosperous because of the fact that their people, like they really truly care about their staff. So they brought me back and I learned a a lot more even then. So after working with them, I decided to go work with another law firm as a COO. And that is where I came up with the, the whole training company doing nationwide training for personal injury. So What were some of the systems that you put in place to make it all work? Right. So in personal injury, right, there's so many things that happen, right? And it's tough to, it's almost like you almost have to fail and fail and fail again in order to even make it out. You know, um, I would say you find a, a good groove at around three years, but then some certain things may happen where you may find a good groove at three years, but, but what efficiencies can you, I've seen firms that have been, you know, set up for 12 years and doing incorrect things. I mean, they've been surviving, but then um, when I come in and I go through their intake process and I see how they're managing their cases, how are they, 
you know, reviewing their cases? Um, how are they communicating with their doctors? How many demands are they sending out per month? How many cases are they assigning per case manager? You know, what are their timelines on when things are getting completed? Once I go through and I scope out how a particular firm is doing certain things at that point, that's how I know what I can implement to make them more effective and, you know, putting more money within that firm pockets. My goal is never to go into a firm and completely overhaul what they're doing because I don't want to shake the ship too much. However, if I can see within their process that it works, but they tweak a few things, they can really maximize their profits. I'll give you one scenario. I was with a firm where their top offer was 40 grand on a case and the managing partner spoke with the client the head attorney and the case manager all talk with the client. And for some reason, there was just a loss in communication. When I got involved, I was able to talk to the client, really convey more information about her case to her in, in more layman's terms. And within a week, she moved forward with the procedure, making the insurance company tender a $300,000 policy. So my systems is I review everyone's efficiency within their firm to see if there's a way that we can maximize that. And the first thing I go to town with is educating case managers and staff on medical terminology, understanding certain, you know, how with certain impacts, what can you do to maximize that case value? And then how to show firms how to even close cases quicker so that their cash flow comes in. There's times where, you know, I've seen one firm fire 15 people one day because they realized that they had ghost inventories. They came in and they realized that a lot of the cases that we have aren't really cases. We were just hiring people thinking that we need them and not being able to effectively go through their cases and figure out what's going on. The right case management software is just important to run an effective law firm. Some of these systems out there, they're selling to attorneys and personal injury attorneys. And they, and it's just, when I say it's mayhem, how it's affecting the money they make. Oh my goodness. I will tell people on certain systems to get off. Like get, just get off. <laughs> Stephanie offers many services. One that stands out is the ability to get new hires with little to no personal injury training up and running in just a few days. She shares what goes into such a quick onboarding process. I will say there is a point with a new hire that's so amazing that they're wanting to learn to absorb knowledge and know their job because they're they're in a heightened sense at that moment. They're like, I just got this job. I want to keep this job. How do I how do I succeed at this job? They're really nervous in the first couple of days. So most companies do this, but law firms, you know, generally haven't gotten involved in this part. If I'm able to capture them with eight hours of just intense learning material, which is within the first day where they're going through, they're going through the training material. And then we are going over cases where I'm applying the training to their physical caseload so that I can show them how do I look at five cases and you show me how you see the next five cases. And then we work through the first 30 days, we generally work through a lot of more complex scenarios. However, the, the reason why it works in the beginning is because the person's just so anxious to want to do a good job. They're going to absorb the knowledge. They're going to listen to you, what you have to say. And, you know, generally during that time, I can get a person to, I can, I can go to their caseload and say, look, these 10 demands, we just went over. How do you, how do you do a demand? These 10 are ready to go. Let's go ahead and send them out. 
they draft them, I review them, and I'm, you know, I'm catching anything. We're going over it together. I had a case manager in Florida, never worked in a law firm, never stepped foot in a law firm before. Trained her with my program, and she sent out 10 demands her first week. She's right now one of the top case managers in the firm because she truly understands, you know, through my training, how to maximize case value. I love that, that like period right after they've been hired where they're super like ready to learn, absorb information. I'm going to steal that and use that for my own team. (laughs) After that, are there continuing education resources that you offer? Honestly, I, that's why I, I offer a year round, right? Because I noticed that I don't want to let the, the chickens go so quickly. So what happens is that I do believe there's a period of absorbing the information and then potentially getting, getting back into old habits or allowing other employees that have been, have been relaxed and haven't done the, the systematic approach could be influencing you. So I do like to go through the whole year check in at least once a month. I also allow companies to just request the the trainings that they want um, throughout that time. But I generally will say for sure, at least once a month, I'm going to upload a new training comprehensive topic. And if if another firm says, hey, I want a topic on this, generally I will upload that same topic for the other attorneys as well. So they can all get access to that information. And I also do auditing of uh, of at least 10 cases each month within that so that I can track that they're actually applying what what they've been learning to their cases. Amazing. That's a lot. You also work with experienced case managers and attorneys as well. What can a firm that brings you in to train the existing staff expect to see? Those are my, my favorite. So a lot of times with the existing staff, I'll have people with really a varied amount of experience, some three, some 15. I had a lady as much as 30 years of experience. And what I've come to learn is that the ones with more experience tend to not want to deal with the training as much. So what I normally do for those is I actually start reviewing their cases first. I look at their cases. And then once I'm able to pull out scenarios where things could have been done better, that's when they are more welcoming because you're like, okay. So what I've noticed is that when you have tenured staff, they will be more absorbed in your material. They will become more connected and, and you're, you'll be more persuasive in terms of what you need them to, to know if I re- review their materials. So I generally review their materials and let them know what they're kind of doing wrong there. And so from, so from at that point, they're more receptive to the information that I have to say. Generally, when I go into a firm, I always find even looking at one case, one or two cases, it pretty much pays for my fee because I'm able to point out measures that can mm-hmm. actually enhance like their current on the table settlements to where I've changed the value just from being involved in the conversation. So I teach you know, the staff how to do that as well coming in. And with tenure staff, they tend to, when they see the arguments, when they, when they hear my knowledge and they go through, when I go through their cases with them, I immediately win them over. What are a few overlooked areas when it comes to getting the maximum recovery for the case management process? I think one of the main things that you're looking for is, is passion. And it's going to be the passion and the customer service and the rapport with clients. I think that when you have a lot of those things, medical terminology is also one. There's a lot of small talking points and techniques that I show with, you know, with your caseload that really helps 
a person think outside the box. I'm big on critically thinking through scenarios and throughout, you know, me reviewing cases with attorneys that have, you know, have (laughs) won billions in trials. um, And I can take the conversations and the knowledge from all these different points. I, I mean, at this point in my career, you know, I've worked at a great deal of, you know, the big law firms I worked with Morgan for a really long time. But I would say that the firms just within my service that I've had the opportunity to to audit, to review, to to train, I think that it puts me light years ahead of any of anyone because I've seen scenarios and I've seen processes and efficiencies on all different spectrums from a lot of different states. And I can pull those into my already existing knowledge and help at this point, just about any firm, because my business hasn't been created before this. I mean, that's not what exactly what I'm doing. I'm kind of a someone just on the first edge of this scenario. So me going in and, and reviewing cases as a case manager, paralegal, and listening to the vulnerabilities, because I have NDAs in place of the attorneys, and I'm able to go through and listen to them and hear what's truly happening, things that they don't want to admit to their peers. And I can go in there and fix these issues. No one ever has to know. I don't ever talk about it. You know, me having that type of lens at this point, I feel like it, it, it puts me in a different position to help other firms scale their business in a way that has never been done before. Well, and that's invaluable what you're providing because you're able to fix a problem that nobody else is really able to do. I would say that it allows me my hands on. So the training that I actually do is going to be like an eight hour course on Salesforce is a software that I created on top of Salesforce that allows me to output my training to, to all, to all the firms and uh, has quizzes. And then I also have a book It's the Forbes method. And I basically talk about how to do a lot of these processes and how to, you know, combine all of these into one successful process. Or, you know, really, I just kind of go in there and again, don't overhaul everyone and change them all into the same system. No, I take what what you currently have and I listen to how you enjoy and like to do things. And then I try to find the best way and the most efficient way to pull out how you can scale your own firm with the things that you kind of like to do. If it's something that I know this is slowing you down, okay, look, this is really, you can't, you got to take this out. (laughs) Then that's when I'll tell them, okay, this, this part of your process, I know you like it. I know this is something that you like to do, but we got it. This is, this is going to, this is killing you. So that's the kind of conversation that I have with firms. New hires are eager to learn. Use this to your advantage and still good habits, culture, and best practices. Existing team members are willing to learn too. Evaluate their existing cases and look for places to streamline their processes. When in doubt, seek help. Reach out to Stephanie to help maximize your profits and build an even stronger firm. A big thank you to Stephanie Forbes for sharing her story and unbelievable insights with us today. You have been listening to Law Her with me, Sonia Palmer. If you found this content insightful, inspiring, or it just made you smile, please share this episode with a trailblazer in your life. For more about Stephanie, check out our show notes. And while you're there, please leave us a review or a five-star rating. It really is a long way for others to discover the show. And I will see you next week on Law Her, where we'll shed light on how another of the brightest and boldest women in the legal industry climbed to the top of her field. Oh,